to the American Scouser podcast. We are, I am your host, Timuchin, as always, uh, from Chicago here uh, in a crappy, rainy weather day. And we're supposed to have like two, three more of these, but should be still 90 degrees we had over the weekend. And we, with me today is Irish Jamie. What's going on and how is the weather out in North Carolina over there? Oh, as always, it's uh, sticky, humid. <laughs> And, and raining in, in North Carolina. It, it's kind of like Ireland used to say back home, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes. That's very much North Carolina weather right there. You know, that's the thing. Like, I grew up in Istanbul. And, I mean, it's Mediterranean weather. Now, when I look back, I'm like, man, I had it made. Yeah. Uh, but, and then, you know, like, lived in London for two years. And I was like, man, I just can't do this. Like, it is so gray and stuff. And then be careful what the hell you wish for i guess i ended up in chicago <laughs> freezing my ass off in winter you know but hey what are you gonna do <laughs> family takes over so that's how it goes so we're hoping paul will be able to join us later on as well to complete our regular trio uh but we're gonna get going over here with our usual stuff so jamie we'll start with your 60 seconds and go yeah here we go folks it's uh mid-international time but we have some lfc news for you Musilovsky, the uh, young under-18 genius, um, has just been awarded the Premier League goal of the season for his effort versus the Toon in March. Like, why I? Come on. Uh, Allison, the holy goalie backer, has his goal of the season for Liverpool this season as well. So, like I said last week's pod, it had to be his goal, and it is. Um, Mo Salah as well is up for a Premier League goal of the season. Uh, the voting deadline for the uh, official Premier League goal of the season tournament was uh, last Thursday, June the 3rd. But the results haven't come out yet, so we don't know if he's won. There's some great contenders in there, um, but definitely wish him all the best for his effort versus West Ham at the end of January. And there's international news going over the 60 seconds, I know, but I'm sure we'll get into it. Plenty of news coming out of the England camp, but as well, Taki Minamino scored today to help Japan qualify for the, the World Cup and um, or the World Cup qualifiers, excuse me. And uh, Margot Gruch has also played in a friendly with Jamaica today. So there we go. That's your LFC news in well over 60 seconds. <laughs> I was going to say you were way over, but hey, it is what it is. I, I was actually amazed. Uh, I totally forgot about the internationals, I guess. But so let's talk about, I mean, this episode is going to be mostly about internationals. Uh, I figured we're going to have all summer to kind of like address all the weird transfer rumors and stuff. But, and most of the, I guess, Liverpool related news is coming out of international stuff too. So Certainly. let's get started with that. Obviously we, last episode, when we were talking, when we were recording at the time of recording, I should say, <laughs> uh, it didn't look like Trent was going to be called up. Uh, so we were actually talking about that. You know, we covered that, you know, what we felt and stuff like that. So then like literally two days after we dropped the pod, uh, it turns out that he is going to be called in the 26th. And then he plays, and I thought he was having a pretty darn good game too, and the poor kid gets injured. And so he's out now anyway. Not only that, his entire – it's not like, you know, he wasn't cold up. He could at least rest and enjoy his break. Now he's going to freaking be injured and do rehab and stuff like that. So, I mean, I'm sure you feel bad as well. But how did you take that news? I do. I think that's shitty. I think it's shitty for him. I think it was a shitty situation to begin with. And when you put all that much stress onto a young guy's shoulders, who's to say that that stress in and of itself isn't enough to 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 unbalance his body and, and maybe maybe not necessarily be the cause of the injury, but 
I don't know. I just feel terrible for the kid. Um, regardless of my Irish heritage and, and bias against England, um, you know, one of my favorite comedians likes to say, uh, Tommy Tiernan, in case anybody's out there looking for a good comedian, he's fantastic. He always says, you know, I love England. I lived there for 10 years. That doesn't mean I don't like to see them defeat it in things like sport and war. <laughs> um, but in all honesty, you know, I do feel terrible for the kid. And you could tell uh, with the photograph of, of Hendo reaching over the sides and, and checking on him immediately how much it means to him and how much it means to Liverpool uh, Football Club because you know that that's what we do as Liverpool fans we keep an eye out for our Liverpool players on international teams uh, and see how they do mainly but <laughs> I guess since Daniel Sturridge going to England it seems like we're fucking cursed with the England camp I'm, 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 I'm about done with it yeah because isn't that where we lost Gomez as well this year yeah yep. yeah I mean yeah it's been and that's the thing I want I want to talk a bit about that too when we come to the Euros and talk about that but yeah I was kind of like Kind of like devastated for the kid because when he got called up and he was going to the Euros, you could tell, you know, by his like social media posts and stuff like that, like how much it meant to him, you know, and he really like valued it. I mean, we talked about it on the last podcast, you know, the selfish fan side of us kind of wants him to stay and rest and get ready for the season. But, you know, deep down, these guys really want to represent their country and play and stuff like that, too. So. Yeah, that's a bummer. Another bummer was, uh, which I was actually shocked to see Hendo take the penalty, but uh, we were talking before the podcast that he's catching a lot of crap for it. I actually personally thought it was a pretty well-taken penalty to the corner. That was a pretty darn good save. I didn't watch the replay or anything like that to see, you know, if it was on the line, off the line or whatever. I didn't even look at that, but I thought it was a well-taken penalty. I was personally shocked that he was taking it. Yeah, he, he doesn't doesn't strike you as um, your dead ball specialist from uh, from 12 yards out, does he? Um, yeah, I, I, I wonder why he took it off him. Um, obviously, as a striker, in, in my youth, I, I, I wouldn't have let go of the ball, captain or not. Um, it's only a friendly, yeah, but I guess when your captain comes over you and demands the ball, you kind of have to give it to him, but... Um, He's certainly catching a lot of shit from other fans across across England right now. Um, a lot of people saying that he shouldn't even be there. Roy Keane was having a go at him on, on live TV. Um, he said something to the effect of, oh, well, somebody said he's good to have in the camp. And Roy Keane said something like, what, does he do card tricks? Does he tell good stories? Is he, you know, is he there for morale? Um, typical Roy Keane douchebaggery. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. He's certainly not a well-liked character uh, outside of Liverpool fans right now in England. I don't know. Like, Keen is just, yeah, your typical, like, douchey pundit where... He's a mouthpiece, like, yeah. yeah. Most of these sports shows, there's only one or two guys where I actually listen to what they're saying and kind of, like, value the opinion or the experience and stuff like that. The rest of it, it just feels like, you know... Uh, just hoping that clip makes it the rounds and, you know, goes viral and people go to freaking, you know, Sky Sports, blah, blah, blah on like YouTube and watch that clip. So they get more money, more ads. It just feels like that's what it's become all about. It's not about like knowledge or it's about, you know, information. It's more about 
who is going to be more shocking. And this is not only for like soccer or British media. It's the same shit over here. Of He's course. The end. It's a bunch of guys yelling at each other um, and just, you know, trying to say stuff more outrageous than the other one so that it gets a headline or a quote or a clip and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I hate to say it's uh, sports media gets to me more and more. When I used to commute, I used to listen to like a lot of sports radio. Uh, now I just listen to podcasts of people I enjoy, like the American Scouser podcast. But anyway, uh, <laughs> no, actually, I kind of hate hearing my own voice. Uh, but, <laughs> but um, you know, like of podcasts of people I actually respect and I know they're saying what they think and feel and not just like, you know, saying stuff to get clicks or attention or shares and crap like that because – Man, like I say, like you listen to sometimes sports media, you watch ESPN, anything in the U.S. is the same crap where people contradict themselves within like a two week freaking period, say the complete opposites. And it's amazing that nobody says, hey, man, you were seeing the complete opposite freaking like two weeks ago. Yeah, they just let it go because, you know, whatever gets clicks at the time. So, yeah, it's annoying. I I heard about that. And like I say, I just don't value it at all, even to get angry over it at this point. The best one with Roy Keane was when Klopp heard him through his earphones <laughs> and microphones like that. And then Roy Keane's face goes redder than my Liverpool shirt right now. Oh, it was hilarious. But anyway, like you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Bad news sells. And, it, you know, it used to be in, in for me back home, I'd watch Match of the Day and Alan Hansen was the pundit, you know, famous Liverpool legend Alan Hansen um, was a great centre back and, and knew the game inside and out. But uh, before social media, you know, he was quoted as saying the year Man United won in the early 90s or something with kids. He says, he said, you'll never win anything with kids. And then look what Man United going through in the 90s. And, you know, it, this is pre-social media, but you can I guarantee you, if you Google, you'll never win anything with kids. Alan Hansen will come up um, because it's still remembered to this day, you know, when when the pundit got it wrong. And, and you know, you're absolutely right. People... People are there for, for their shock value. Like Hansen, as much as I respected him and, and loved his input because I, I felt like he knew the game. You know, a lot of people didn't. A lot of people thought he talked absolute shite. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. You have to have the, the enemy on board as a, as a pundit. Somebody to just talk absolute waffle. I guess that's my role in, in American Scouser. <laughs> pretty much yeah <laughs> i mean honestly i don't care if they're wrong and i don't care if i don't agree with them i just want them to stick with what they're saying and not yeah. you know flip back and forth i mean if that's your opinion that's fine uh and they might possibly know more than us uh or we might not agree i might have like a different opinion which is fine i can totally understand that i just hated when they flip-flop that opinion or it changes based on who they're talking about like you know yeah. if it's a united player he talks about something that happens at united differently than if it happens at liverpool or city and stuff and then vice versa that's what i do not like just just be consistent i don't care if you don't agree or i don't care if what you say annoys me just be freaking consistently annoying which i guess keen does that for the most part he's consistently <laughs> yeah, he annoying. Does, yeah. uh even when i agree with him i think he's just that that like just smug personality but yeah enough about freaking keen yeah. uh, <laughs> so let's talk 
about euros. I kind of figured uh, before we get way too ahead of ourselves, uh, this week's episode, we kind of like to just take a look at the groups. Uh, some of our boys are in there. And obviously we might, I mean, I know I have a rooting interest, but I, that's, let's start with that first. I wanted to ask you that because uh, obviously your boys from Ireland are not there. So is there one team out there that you're really rooting for? You kind of gave away who you're rooting against earlier. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. going to be my follow-up question. <laughs> that's a given. That's a given. Um, in all honesty, I do have an affinity with Turkey. Um, my auntie married a, a Turkish guy. And, you know, you, you guys have got a, a nice, youthful look to your team. Um, good to see Wales there. I like, I like the underdog story. Um, I mean, it's hard to look past the big dogs, obviously, the, the, the Germanys, the, the Frances, and... Um, but more than like in terms of favorites, like is there one team that you're like, man, I hope they win? Not that they might win, but you know, a team that you would say, you know, I hope they win. I'm like kind of rooting for them, whether if they have a shot or not. I mean, if this is Cinderella story, you know what I'm saying? I mean, Finland are no, it's not Finland. Who who does the uh is it the Icelandic clap? Is it Finland that does that? Who who does that? Uh that's Iceland. Iceland, that's right. Which they're the not Icelandic in this club. one because actually Turkey, I, I think, came out of that group, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I said, Wales, a um, bit of solidarity on, on home turf there with, uh, with, with the Welsh only across the water from Ireland. Um, yeah, we'll go with the Welsh. I'd like to see them do well. So yeah, I'm going for Turkey and, and Wales in that group. And the same freaking group. Yeah. So I'm obviously going for Turkey and I, I, am, I am excited. Actually, I've been obviously watching the friendlies before the Euros and this last game was the first time they actually, you know, played the boys that won the French title. Like there's like three players on that little team. Um, Hakan Chalanolu, which is rumored for various Premier League teams. Yeah. Uh, latest I heard today was Arsenal, for example, but he plays for AC Milan. I believe his contract is up. So, I mean, he was on there. And, yeah, that is a very impressive team that's very skilled. But as with any freaking Turkish team, you never freaking know. I mean, uh, they could beat Wales 5-0. They could lose to Wales 5-0. And either way, that's part of being Turkish. You're going to kind of have to take that as it is. But, yeah. so okay. And then you say, I honestly don't have anybody that I'm really rooting against like i was looking to see if there was a team uh because as american scouts were doing one with all our contributors and that was one of matosh's actually is putting that together and that was one of his questions like who you're hoping do poorly and honestly i didn't have anybody but i was like well give me a week once i watch a couple of games i'm sure i'll find a team that's annoying and i'll start rooting against them but so let's go group by group uh, and then kind of like get your take. So the first group, group A, is where my boys are. Uh, so it's Italy, Switzerland, Turkey, and Wales. So what is your top two prediction for that? Yeah, got to be, you know, my heart says Turkey and Wales, but realistically, it's, it's probably going to be Turkey and Italy, I, I say. I agree. I think Italy playing home games is a huge thing. Um, 
And I, I mean, they're a solid team. I mean, when you look at that squad, I was like, you know, looking at their family the other day and I was like, they're freaking solid. Uh, but sometimes Italians just can't put it together when the tournament time comes. I mean, they yeah. haven't been able to for a while, I should say. Uh, so, and then obviously my heart's and kind of like slightly in my mind as well. I feel like that is a really quality, like out of all these years of watching Turkey in terms of quality, uh, and I mean, international experience in top leagues, this is probably like the best squad we've had, even like compared to the team that was like third in the world cup, this team, I'm that team mostly played in Turkey and stuff. It was more like a, let's go get them boys. Kind of like a, you know, like an attitude, not much quality, more hustle. I feel like this team kind of has both. So yeah, I'm hoping. Who's, your, who's, who's the star player for Turkey then? Oh, man, that's a good question. And that's, I think, what I like about this team is I don't think there is like one person. I know right now, probably the hottest player uh, is Barack Yilmaz because yeah. he is actually the leading candidate to be player of the year in France. Yeah, goal scoring uh, machine. Yeah, but... for pretty much like winning them the title. Um, and it's the funny story about him is he has played for every freaking big team in Turkey. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably loved by them all. You know what I mean? Uh, not really. That's the funny thing. I mean, he's not <laughs> really like, um, I mean, obviously, because if you're really loved, you will be there for a long time. And that hasn't been the case uh, for him. But I'll tell you what, like having watched him and kind of like follow them uh, in the last couple of years, I think going to France has really matured that guy. And he's kind of like that uh, older brother figure i think in that locker room right because um, there's a lot of guys that's what i like about the team in the past i don't know like maybe four years ago like arda turan was in barcelona and he's an annoying character to start with uh-huh. and he was the only guy who had that kind of like a top-notch international experience yeah so it almost felt like a bit smug whereas this team is full of people playing on teams like ac milan juventus leicester city like well you know all like top teams, top leagues. So I think everybody as is pretty equal. And I don't know. I'm I'm pretty hopeful, man. But like I say, it's Turkey. You never know. It can go south really fast as well. But the first game is uh, they're playing the opener against Italy on Friday in Italy. Uh, the next two games are actually in Azerbaijan and Baku, which will be. I mean, if you're not familiar, Azerbaijan is mostly Turkish. The language is very similar and stuff. Yeah. So those are pretty much going to be home games for them. So let's hope so. Let's hope so and move on to Group B before I jinx Turkey any further. <laughs> Belgium, Denmark, Finland, and Russia. This is one of those groups that's like, especially for the second spot, anything can happen. But who do you have? I mean, it's hard to look past Belgium and Denmark, isn't it? They're... They're quality teams. Belgium only, it seems like four years ago, you know, were pretty much the best team in the world on paper. Um, obviously, on paper and on pitch are two different things. But the Danes as well, they know how to grind out a good game of football. They're, they they perform pretty well in the Euros usually. Um, yeah, good good squads on both sides. It, it's hard to, hard to see past them. Yeah, I agree. I think it is kind of hard to give. I mean, I think Finland would be less on that one. It just depends on Russia can be one of those teams that it's like the Burnley of European 
yeah. football. So they can be physical and get like some goals from like set pieces and stuff like that and cause trouble by playing kind of like rough football. So I think they have a chance in squeezing in at two, but I agree. I think it will be uh, Belgium and Denmark at the end of the day on that one too. Let's move to Group C, Austria, Netherlands, North Macedonia, and Ukraine. Who you got? It, now, that's a tougher one. I'd like to see the Dutch go through, obviously, but, you know, with their injuries, I, I still think they'll go through. Um, I think it would be nice just to see the Ukraine get, get in there as well. Um, really? Okay. Yeah, I think so. Why not? Um, <laughs> why not, right? <laughs> I mean, the Austrians play, you know, in my stereotypical mind, thinking back of past Austrian teams, they play much more up and down football, whereas the Ukraine kind of can be a bit more flamboyant um, for the Eastern European teams. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'll stick my hat with Ukraine. Uh, I was going to go with North Macedonia on that one. I'm, I still think Netherlands. Uh, I think Austria has a good squad. Uh, but I think I'm picking my surprise out of this group with North Macedonia. I don't think they're – everybody's kind of looking past them to be probably like battling for third. But I think they can make it out of there because they have some quality players that can make it like an impact. So – that's like the first one we're going to disagree on, looks like. So Group D, I think this is another tricky one. Croatia, Czech Republic, England, and Scotland. Oh, wait. Now you're going to have to teach me some uh, great uh, Britain uh, interrelations over here. Uh, so I know you kind of like mentions that you would normally and openly root against England. So how yeah. does Scotland feel in that equation? It's it's everybody against the English, really, in, <laughs> in that respect. So it, it's fantastic. It really is. Um, and and much in the same way as, as it's England versus everybody else. England hate the Scottish, they hate the Welsh, they hate the Irish, and, and we all hate them just as much. Um, you know, it's always a good time. The Eng England and Scotland rivalry, I dare say, is worse than the English-Irish rivalry. Um, I'm not sh I'm not certain why. I probably couldn't tell you. Uh, but the English definitely hate the Scottish. Uh, the Scottish probably hate the English just a little more. Well, this is, a, this is like a whole geography lesson right here. So, okay, let me make it even trickier for you. Scotland versus Wales. Who does an Irish guy root for? <laughs> probably the Scots. I have to. I have to say, probably the Scots. Um, just because we've got a very kindred spirit with the Scots, and the Welsh are kind of like the ugly sister in the equation. Um, so yeah, probably the Scots. So who do you have in this group having said all that? Well, with your mind, not with your heart. I'm sure your hearts, I, I think everybody understands by now you have England as four. But I'm just <laughs> <laughs> with your mind, who do you have? Even, even with my mind, Scotland are finishing last in this group. Um, England are probably going to top the group. So it, it's a fight between the red and white, isn't it? Um, yeah. Croatia, a good team. Uh, historically, Czech also a good team. Plus, a, a always got a small spot for uh, 
for in my heart for the Czechs because of Milan Baros, but um, yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, who follows England in top spot there? Who have you got? I got Croatia on this one. I, I think England is going to go through as one, and I think Croatia will go through. I mean, honestly, I don't even know if England will go through as one. That will be probably the key game is England playing Croatia. Whoever wins that one, I think will take the group. Um, but yeah, I do like the Czech Republic as well. I just don't think Scotland have a chance against, uh, just don't have as many players that are, have like that much quality compared to, I think, Croatia, probably making a lot of Scottish listeners angry as we go. But, uh, yeah, I think Croatia will be, I would love to see Robo go through. Uh, I just don't see it happening. And that's probably like my only and biggest rooting interest in this group, to yeah. be honest, is Robo doing good. Uh, <laughs> cause he deserves it. So, I mean, we were watching his highlights earlier today, uh, for his assists against Netherlands. Fantastic. He just, he just flicked the switch into beast mode and just dude is an animal man he can just run all day it's amazing gallops he he, he doesn't even run he just charges he eats turf <laughs> he is like i envision uh, in the long run he will be basically milner yeah if he doesn't you know completely envelop milner and become him or absorb him completely that the they are one and the same. I'm sure they're they're brilliant. And being beside a player like Milner, I mean, that can only spur you on physically and mentally, you know? I think so. I, we were actually talking about, uh, for I think I mentioned this before, but if you're really keen on learning Turkish, uh, we do a podcast with my brother. And one of the things we were talking about, uh, and it came to Liverpool, was, I mean, how valuable it is to have a guy like Milner uh, kind of like be in that squad uh, freaking like topping all the conditioning tests and stuff like that to teach professionalism and to teach the younger kids, you know, what you got to do and how to take care of your body and to drink Ribeno, whatever, to, uh, you know, like kind of like extend your soccer career. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my Turkish definitely needs a good brushing up. I think I can remember to count out of 10. Let's see if you can grade me on this. Beer, icky, dirt, fish. Alta Yeri Seki Tokos on? No, I missed one. Yeah, even with the fingers, somehow you missed the number. <laughs> <laughs> you missed three. Uch, you missed the three. Beer, Alta, uch, no. Uch, yes. Uch is three. Yes, that's what okay. I forgot. That's why I like, definitely remember. Like, I'm like, the... well, you're one finger short there, buddy. <laughs> I, uh, I got the 10 and I was like, nope, that's not, nope, nope. You know what's sad is, first of all, I think like we were talking, somebody asked me in the, like out of our contributors, and I just realized I've been here actually longer than I've been in Turkey now. Yeah. Uh, that freaking old. Uh, and then, I mean, when we record these podcasts in Turkish, I throw a lot of English here and there. Yeah. And it's like, you know, stuff like I'll say like, I mean, or I'll say, you know. And stuff like that. I just like kind of like throw in phrases. I mean, thank God my brother speaks English as well. Uh, but then, and I keep asking, what was I asking him last episode? I was asking him the direct translation for devil's advocate. Because uh, I honestly don't know what it is in Turkish. Apparently there's yeah. no Turkish for it. So, uh, but you know, things like that. It's odd how the mind works. I don't use Turkish like daily, apart from like talking to my brother and a few other people. And, you know, even then I throw in a lot of English which is cool because they know English too. Like they're not like, Hey, why don't you speak Turkish? Right. Uh, so yeah, it's odd how the mind works and you freaking like totally forget, but it's slowly coming back to me. So 
which will probably make me lose my English that I finally kind of gathered. <laughs> so, uh, let's go to Group E. This is another tricky one, especially for the second spot. Poland, Slovakia, Spain, and Sweden. Yeah, I mean, although Sweden have done well in the past with Zlatan being there, um, pretty sure he's out of he, he's he's retired for uh, from football. Um, but obviously Poland with Lewandowski, so I, you're gonna say Spain and Poland really aren't. Yeah, yeah, I it's got to be Spain and Poland. I think Sweden still has some decent players uh, with like a lot of experience in like various leagues, but I still think Poland will go through. Uh, I mean, I know a lot. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of like uh, Polish in Chicago here. Uh, and, you know, when I worked in the city, I used to speak to a lot of like Polish, you know, like soccer fans. And as much as they love Lewandowski, there's always a sense of... I don't want to say bitterness. It's probably not the right word, but almost like disappointment that as great as he is, uh, like a top scorer, top forward and stuff, almost like the disappointment maybe is the word that they have not been, he has not been able to uh, carry on the, uh, the national team to like, you know, like further levels and stuff like that. Um, so, but even with his quality, I think, other teams focus on him too much, which kind of like opens up avenues for, you know, like other players. So I think, you know, they'll take advantage of that. And I say like Poland goes through. Yeah. I mean, oh. it's not like they're short. Like you said, it's not like they're short on talent. They've got other great, like uh, we Petr, Petr Zielinski and, and another, uh, not uh, Blaszczykowski. What's his name? Um, I forget his name, but uh yeah, they've got great players in midfield as well. Um, so yeah, that isn't it. Uh, Klitsch as well from Leeds is he's Polish too. Click. Ah uh, yes. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, good, they have a lot of players. good players. Um, so I really think they will be. You know, I think they will be in there. Um, and go, I don't know how far they will go, uh, but I really think they're gonna make it. I know Matush. Uh, one of our contributors here is rooting for him heavily. So for his sake, let's hope they go through and they make the second spot. So yeah, uh, Group F. This <laughs> I honestly, when we were reviewing groups, my brother told me this group. He's like, I think France, Germany, Hungary, and Portugal are in the same group. I was like, dude, there's no way that doesn't even make sense. Like you know, for them to all be in the same group, but it is true. So France, Germany, Hungary, Portugal you almost feel bad for Hungary after qualifying for the Euros. They're like, you got to be shitting me when they see <laughs> this group. So um, who do you have? I'd love to see France not go through, um, but it's probably not going to happen, is it? <laughs> um, I actually have France going all the way, but yeah. I, I still I still can't get over the, uh, the French uh, Thierry Henry knocking the Irish out of uh, World Cup qualifying. Oh, still a better pill to swallow, but um, yeah. Mbappe is probably going to start to shine, and the Germans too. I mean, um, yeah, I, I don't see, I don't see Cristiano Ronaldo being able to salvage this one. Yeah, I don't think so. I, it's just a tough group, and you don't know what's going to happen. 
But I know who knows, and it's Paul Bickler who's now joining us. Another North Guys, Carolina. Guys, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I uh, I've uh, just fired the last receptionist I had, um, and we <laughs> fell through the cracks. I'm very sorry. <laughs> well, Paul, let's start with the toughest group. We kind of like came all the way to the end here, but who do you have in this brutal group of France, Germany, Hungary, Portugal? Um, I actually, I have France coming out on top in this group. Um, I just think they're too strong. Um, super good mix of veterans and, and obviously they've got sort of a golden generation coming through there right now. And I don't know the list of players between Pogba, Conte, Mbappe it just goes on forever. They're so stacked. They're, they're just so incredibly deep. It's just ridiculous when you look at their squads. I mean, it is really, you could probably split that into two and they might like meet each other in the semifinals or something. It is just that freaking deep and that quality. So do you have Germany or Portugal? What a surprise you know, going through. I think, you know, conventional wisdom would say Germany. Um, and I don't really have a good reason for doing this, but I have Portugal second. Um just because I think they've got a really good crop of young talent coming up around Ronaldo right now. Um, they play some really exciting football. They're a little bit vulnerable defensively, but I just kind of like, I don't know, man, I, I Germany is so good. And, and it's not to say that they're not, they're going to take euros lightly. Right. I just feel like this being uh, Lowe's last tournament and um, I just, for whatever reason, I feel like Germany is going to come in and not have that normal sense of um, they're not going to click like the machine that they normally are through that first group stage. And I just feel like they're going to get a couple draws and I think they'll go out third. Um, but like I said, I don't have a real good reason other than the fact that I'm just, I'm kind of bearish on, on, on Portugal in this tournament. That's actually a good point. I just don't know how that would affect it. So Jamie, what is your take on that? Like it being low. I mean, and he's been there for a long time, right? And this is his like last tournament. He's done after this. Um, I mean, it, I see what Paul is saying, where it can kind of like, kind of almost not be all there. But wouldn't at the same time be like one last hurrah for low, or you don't think the players would give a damn? I mean, it's Germany, lads. They're they're a mechanical machine. Um, they're not going to be sentimental and caring about old scratch and sniff. Um, Joaquim Lowe um, loves to scratch his arse and sniff it. Uh, <laughs> yep. If anybody else needed me to finish that little tidbit off, I just went ahead and did it. Uh, yeah. And Sorry, if you want to visualize it, go ahead and Google it. I'm sure there's like 85 <laughs> YouTube videos of it. So yeah, um, make sure it's not before dinner. But Yeah, it, uh, as long as he retires and we never get to see him do that live on TV while we're watching football again, <laughs> I'm all for it. Um, Maybe in that respect, it would be best if they don't go through and we can go ahead with Paul on Portugal. <laughs> so, Paul, while you were with the receptionist with the HR, uh, Jamie was going over his uh, the Irish uh, hatred for everybody on the island. <laughs> Sounds like. Uh, so we were kind of talking about, you know, who we're openly rooting for. So do you have a team in the Euros that, you're really rooting for and you hope they win. I don't know necessarily if I have a team that I like feel very strongly, like that I want to win the whole thing. I'm partial to the Netherlands just because like I grew up 
um, in my high school coach and even my travel coach really went through some of the Dutch diamond in the Dutch system coming up. So I feel sort of partial to the Dutch. Um, I do have a team. Um, I, I really, I really would like to see Ukraine make some noise. And I think they're a really interesting team. Um, I mean, as any good red blooded American, um, things I enjoy are the United States beating Mexico at sports. We have no business beating them at, which happened last night and two upsetting Russia and uh, the Ukrainians have, I don't know if you guys have seen it on their kit. It's an outline of Ukraine, including the Crimean, uh, Crimean Peninsula, which is obviously uh, Russia claims that Ukraine yeah. claims that. So it has pissed Russia off. I mean, this is on the, and I think, I think it's an awesome move. It's like, I mean, they just sacked up and grabbed Russia right by the nuts on the kit. Um, I love it. And they're, they're a super, so you've got Shevchenko managing this team. Um, they're kind of a huge surprise. They've only conceded four times in the last eight qualifying matches. They have explosive width. They're a super fast counterattacking side. Um, I mean, I think they, I think they're going to make some noise and I, I can't wait to see it because I think they're really kind of a high flying team right now. Um, you've got old ass Yarmolenko on there. Um, who's kind of their talisman. But they've got some really interesting players, and I think they could make some noise. And I just love the the political punch in the nuts to Russia as well. <laughs> so then I think you kind of answered that without uh, getting the question first. So is there a team you openly root against? Because Jamie has England on the top of the list, second on the list, third on the list. So no, England, England first, France second. <laughs> I don't think Russia necessarily bothers me from a footballing standpoint as much as they do politically. Um, I guess teams that I, you know, wouldn't mind seeing getting bounced. Um, you better not say Turkey, Paul. No, 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 no. I like. I actually like. I'm Turkey. warning you right now. Don't even don't even think about it. I like Turkey, and I think they've got a pretty good shot in this one to, to make some noise. Uh, but I, I, Spain for me, like I just don't like the way they play football. I don't like many of the players on that team. And honestly, them getting bounced wouldn't be that huge of a shot considering the fact that they haven't won a knockout game in the last three major tournaments. Yeah, I just think that group is kind of like very favorable for them. That's why I think we both had Spain and Poland coming out of that group. Um, just because of like, you know, the opposition, I feel like they can open up those defenses and get some goals. Uh, but so you said Spain as a team, huh? that's kind of like shocking. So let me ask you guys this. I figured, you know, kind of like this round, we kind of like talk about the groups and then um, before we get ahead of ourselves and go all the way to the finals predictions. Uh, but I just wanted like, or I should say the quarterfinals, semifinals and go through all those steps. Let's get past the groups first. We'll do that on a different episode. But before even the tournament starts, who are you picking to win, Jamie? Yeah, it's hard to see past France, lads, isn't it? it as much as it fucking pains me. Um, France or the Germans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, who do you have, Paul? Uh, in my finals, I have France and the Netherlands, and I have France winning. Yeah, I I guess we're all going with the obvious. It's just like you look at that team, and they would have to be 
I mean, even if somebody is having a bad day, there's like four replacements that can come in, especially with the amount of subs uh, that's allowed in the tournaments. I feel like it really helps a team like France that is that deep. So I do have, I mean, my heart says Turkey, but my mind says France, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, from be... the back, like Paul said, they're stacked. I mean, Varane and who else is their other center back? You know, you take a look at their, you take a look at their forward line. They've got Griezmann, Mbappe, Benzema. They've brought back into the national league for for the Euros. I mean, it's disgusting. It's ridiculous. Like I say, they can like bring out two teams, and I think they would definitely at least be in the quarterfinals, both of them. So, um, so we'll get to that. One thing I want to ask you guys is, I know you know, Paul, you've said it in the past in terms of like your approach to uh, the national team, at least like the U.S. national team and stuff, but. Uh, do you guys view these tournaments? I, cause I know I do. And that's why I'm kind of like asking you guys, uh, like during the season, the international breaks almost are kind of a nuisance. Uh, cause I think we're so focused on like, you know, the league, Liverpool, the premier league and stuff like that. Uh, but when it's like tournaments like this, I just feel like it's probably like the, it might not be the best quality football. Cause obviously these guys don't normally play together, but I think it's just the most, exciting football in some ways agree or disagree paul yeah i'll agree i'll agree because i mean you got some crazy storylines in here um and i think that the club competition like bleeds into it too i mean i think you have player rivalries that come into this as well um but yeah i mean this i mean you look at the euros what was it 2000 2004 i want to say we're like you know like Greece won it. Like, I mean, you have some really, really cool stories in this thing. Um, and I think, you know, we, we kind of survive and tolerate four years of friendly friendlies. It seems to, to make it to these, these big tournaments. And, and I think they are a big deal. And I think it's, it's different this year, you know, cause fans aren't fully back, but I think this is like, that's one of the cooler things is that these tournaments are one huge party. Right. And uh, that kind of bleeds on to the atmosphere as well. I think what it is, I feel like there's like so much like more emotion to it. And I think sometimes seeing these guys, and that's why I think I like the, for example, like the, obviously the Turkish national team is the one I look at most. I like the current one a lot more than, uh, ones we've had maybe over the last 10 years or so, I feel like, you know, these guys are all like established professionals, but they really, really, really care about winning as Turkey. Uh, and seeing that is kind of cool that this is kind of like, I mean, we were talking about Trent earlier on the podcast, Paul, about, you know, like how much, you know, you can see that it means to these guys, even though they're professionals and it's just like another thing for them. I mean, it's like a huge deal. So Jamie, I know, you were complaining about how Ireland is never in one of these things. Uh, well, never, you... Calm down. We've been in the Euros. All right. But... USA 94, we had a decent run. We got to the quarterfinals. Don't, don't, don't take it away from me. We've, we've been there. We've just got a shite history recently. Um, oh, then I'm going to have to Google this you're, shit you're right. <laughs> while you're talking. So do you view these like totally separate than uh, regular national games and breaks and stuff? No, I, I love the Euros. Um, listen, like when I was back home uh, in Europe, which seems like a lifetime ago, but it was only really seven years ago. Um, the Euros are a big deal, um, regardless of, of if you're in them or not. Um, 
and and like you so rightly said that we've definitely missed our, our fair share of them um I have a certain amount of national pride um, that that extends onto the football team, um, but we've just been terrible recently. So you kind of have to live vicariously through other teams like Iceland and 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 various other uh, underdogs who've who've performed well over the years. Um, so yeah, like Paul, uh, looking forward to to seeing a few of the underdogs uh, perform well, like like the Ukraine and and a few. Um, few others namely wales um and and hopefully scotland could take three points off england that would be absolutely phenomenal i can just imagine the scenes back home i think that's funny you mentioned that because i do think it's odd that you know like i say i mean we've had some decent runs here and there but turkey does not always qualify for these things it's not one of those teams um even when they do not like the event is fun to watch first of all it's soccer and then it's good soccer top players usually like you know every group obviously has a couple of players from like our club as well um i just feel like yeah you somehow find yourself connecting to an underdog or a specific team and you're kind of like happy for them even though you have nothing to do with them like iceland or something like that because exactly. it's just like a good feel good story kind of thing and you can kind of appreciate what they had to do to win as an underdog, but and then um, when France wins it anyway, you're not too pissed off, you're not too happy. It doesn't really matter, you know. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Or the Germans will always <laughs> seem to be up there. But so let me ask you guys this then: World Cup versus the Euro? Because I had okay. Let me before I say anything, let's start with you, Paul. World Cup or Euro? World Cup. I mean, I, it, just because you have to. I mean, it's fun to throw in when Argentina is going to bounce out early. Uh, but, uh, like, I think you got to have – I like having the South American powers in there. It's cool to see Brazil, Argentina, and then there's usually a couple interesting guys that scoot through, you know, whether it's Chile or, you know. There's there's some fun there um, on that side of the continent too. So, I mean, I, and I think it's cool to see that sort of part of the hemisphere sort of collide with Europe in one event and, and, and one big kind of global party as well. How about you, Jamie? It's definitely a difficult question, like because I've I've got fond memories of both. Um, but you know, no matter who you are, no matter what country you are, when the World Cup always rolls around, you can't help but imagine your home nation winning the World Cup, even if you're Irish. That's right, I said it. <laughs> My God, like oh, you know it. it it's a dream, obviously. Uh, but the World Cup, I mean, that's it. That's the, the, the pinnacle. That's the biggest stage. Um, you know. I that, ask because, uh, I, I mean, I had a couple of people tell me they preferred Euros just because it was, what's the word? Like closer, there wasn't as much of a discrepancy between teams. But, I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about. Those underdog stories are what makes these tournaments exciting. And I also find it more interesting, like watching like an African team with their playing style take on like a South American team or like a team from like, you know, like Japan or something like that. And the odd thing is, even now, where most of these guys actually play in Europe and stuff, it's weird where they get back together to their back to their country. They play the same exact way they did like three decades ago. Yeah. 
And I, that's what I I think to me, like it's clearly World Cup. But the reason I wanted to kind of like get your guys take on it was because I have had people um, mention that that they prefer the Euros just because they felt the gap between the teams was a lot less. So let's go back to our red blooded American over here. So that was a crazy I didn't I'll be honest, I did not watch it. I uh, kind of like followed it here and there uh on the app and then eventually kind of like saw some of the highlights and stuff like that but um you mentioned a lot of times your feelings on uh, the american national team but do you put a lot of stock in the that cup the concept of i mean it's almost to me it feels like i don't even know they why they bother because it's the same teams in the final all the time yeah i i don't know but i mean like We've always said I'm probably the wrong guy to ask anything about Amer- uh, American soccer just because, like, I just. But when you watched yesterday, you were like. I did. I did watch, and you know what stuck out to me? McKinney is really, really, really fucking good. I, I haven't watched. I mean, I, I think he's still at Schalke, right? I, I mean, where is he at now? I don't even know. He was at Schalke for a while. He won't um, be at Schalke anymore. Yeah, I don't. I, like, I know that they're struggling, so I don't know if he's still there or not. But what's crazy about, like, you know. Obviously, he's good going forward, but he won, like, every single corner kick. He put one off the post. He won two that just went wide, and he put one in the back of the net. It was crazy, and he's not that big. Um, he's in Juventus. Oh, yeah. He went there, right. I think, this offseason, didn't he? Yes. Yep, he went this last offseason. That's right. I don't and know. I mean, it shows. Uh... It looks like he's playing it, too. We're playing it quite a bit. Yeah, like, I mean, doesn't have a lot of goals for him and stuff, but I don't know, like, what role he plays there and stuff like that. I, to be honest, I don't watch a lot of the yeah. Italian league to know. I, I did see one little clip of McKinney in Juventus. He was caught eyeballing one of the uh, Italian lady presenters' rear end, shall I say. And, uh, yeah, he, he kind of created quite a bit of a Twitter storm because he was – Kind of caught being a dirty little boy on the sideline. Let's hope that's I mean, not his highlight of the season. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. I mean, when in Rome, I mean, I don't know what you want him to do. And listen, I'm married to an Italian woman. What what can I say? I'm I'm, I'm barking up the wrong tree here. And I don't know how the Italian TV does it, by the way, but yeah, uh, that's kind of broadcasting that we can use over here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I know a lot of the, I mean, US team too. Like when I was looking, I mean. All these guys, and that's what I think makes, I mean, like I say, when I go back to Turkey, it's the same thing. The more your players play on top leagues, I think the more it translates into your, but I think one disadvantage that U.S. has is the fact that, I mean, it's an advantage and a disadvantage, I think, where obviously they have the easier qualifiers and I mean, except last time where they just totally freaking collapsed and lost some games they shouldn't have. They should qualify for the World Cup. But on the same lines, I think they always play against mediocre or, you know, like average competition. So when they go to these tournaments, I think it's like a huge gap between, you know, the teams they take on in the World Cup. Yeah, that coupled with the fact that I can't remember the last time we actually developed a center back. You know what I mean? We, we, we just never – we've seen players come through in just about every position from goalkeeper all the way up to striker. But I just cannot remember the last time we developed, like, a, a top, top-tier top center back, you know, one that was really, like, performing. 
um, at an elite level. So I, I think that kind of hurts. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. They, I mean, they obviously look pretty good. Um, anytime you can go against, I'll, I'll try and, and win. Mexico's a tough team, man. They're good. So I think uh, that's we'll why see. Klinsman went back to Europe and Germany and like looked at anybody who plays center back that might have an American relative of some sort. So he can kind of like convert them to come and play over here. But well, yeah, I mean, if you're big and strong, you go play NFL, right? And if you're tall and fast, you go play basketball, <laughs> you know? I guess. I mean, I don't know. Is that, I mean, that's odds. So what, why do you think that is Paul? Like, why is it the center back? I mean, I feel the same way for Turkish strikers. I mean, hence Barack Yilmaz has been playing for the last two decades. It feels like, I mean, now he's in form, but it's just, yeah, it's sometimes certain positions never come out of a country and it has to be center back here. Why do you think that is? I just, you know, nobody wants to go in the, the huge footsteps that Alexei Lawless left behind. Um, both as a player and a commentator. Um, no, I, I don't really know. I, I, I don't, I couldn't answer that. I mean, I think Jamie does have a good point that like people that have substantial size and athleticism tend to gravitate towards other sports. Right. But I mean, at the same rate, you're still clipping in a percentage of players into soccer into football or whatever. Um, you would think just based on the percentages clipping in that you would have center backs coming through with more regularity. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know why, you know, I mean, we seem to see, you look at Dempsey for a striker, you look at Landon Donovan for a midfielder, Reyna, we're seeing the second generation of Reyna. You know, remember Jones is a midfielder. Uh, John Harks is a midfielder. Like all the greats were like midfielders, strikers, sort of these more like, mobile attacking players um so i don't, I don't know what the, I, I don't know i don't know speaking of dempsey who i cannot stand has to be my least favorite american player of all time what the hell was up with that studio yesterday because i like i i kept hearing about the game so when i turned it on it was kind of like the game was over and they were talking in the studio and i was like holy shit show I have no idea what was going on. What did I miss? Yeah, you, you trust me. You, you do yourself a favor by missing. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't see it either, but I can only imagine how bad it was. Yeah, it was just so awkward. And I realize sometimes, like, yeah, you have to get in like X player, but being a good player at one point doesn't make you a good pundit who can kind of like talk about the game and relate to people and like, you know, like explain things and stuff like that. But yeah, we already bashed on media earlier, so I'm not going to go back down that route again. But now that Victor has joined us too, I was kind of saving this trivia. Uh, so we'll do it at the end. Oh, you sneaky bastard. I uh, thought I was getting away with it this week. Well, I'm not going to have you go against yourself and win by default. So <laughs> Victor joined us. I thought you were oh. just going to give me a free pass this week, though. <laughs> This is interesting because there's a, like, I, I don't know if you guys are going to get all three over here. So from the Euro since 1960 to the current one, the teams that have competed in it the most, can you give me the top three countries that have competed in the Euros the most? Jamie, you've been here all this time. What you got? Okay. So number one will be Spain. Number two, 
is my dark horse, but I'm going France and then Germany. No. Okay, you got two out of three. What you got there, Paul? I kind of figured this is a tricky one because honestly, I wouldn't have guessed one of these. Um, if it's bloody Belgium, they're not even on the. So I'll go Spain. I mean, this seems obvious though, so it's not going to be right. I, I would go Spain, Germany, Italy. No, the top is Germany with 13, 12th is Russia. Wow, those sneaky Russians. Yeah, well, I think it's kind of like the, the group thing again. And third is Spain with 11. And then there's to actually four countries tied at 10. Uh, you guys had two of them with France and Italy. The Czech Republic is 10. And now that I think about it, they've been in every single one that I can think of, it feels yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, and then England also has 10. But yeah, I kind of like kind of figured the Russia one would come out of nowhere. Uh, so we'll go with that. So, yeah, gentlemen, before we wrap it up, let's go back to our boys and uh, talk some of the Liverpool stuff. Um, like I say, we can always, uh, we have the entire summer to dig through these transfer rumors. But out of all the crap you guys heard all week, one that stuck out to you the most when it comes to Liverpool transfer rumors. Paul, what do you have? Oh, Jesus. One that stuck out the most? Uh, maybe one that you were like man that'd be sweet or man I hope that doesn't happen <laughs> one or the other well oh man I and I've been largely trying to ignore all this junk right now um, I, I mean we talked about it last time the DACA kid from, from uh, Red Bulls in Austria I think would be a really good pickup in terms of a fit but it looks like he's going to Leipzig he's going to the other Red Bulls right now that's what the, the latest on that is. Um, but that's the one that I thought would be a good fit. Um, I still think Sanderberg and Basuma are like candidates that, that makes sense in terms of like mid to lower table teams that have complete midfielders that could come in and strengthen the squad. Um, and then of course we've got the ridiculous shit out there with, um, Coutinho, hey, we could get Coutinho back on a free and you like should, all that. You should dedicate five minutes of every podcast from now yeah. on until the end of time. Coutinho, <laughs> Where just told Coutinho. Coutinho should definitely go in room 101 for sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we put him in there. Uh, we put him in there. He's coming out of the back underneath the door. Shove <laughs> <laughs> his little paws back in there. <laughs> What do you have, Jamie? A little magicianal Houdini out. <laughs> Jamie, what catches you? Such a bad back. <laughs> the old bad back routine, yeah. Um, well, the one that we were talking about last week, the uh, under the seventeen-year-old from Ghana, under twenty star. He was the MVP at the last under twenty Afghan. Um, Fadwa Abdul Asahaka. Uh, Apparently, yes, I remember you butchering his name last episode too. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> An Irish guy speaking fucking Ghanaian. Good luck. Uh, yeah, uh, apparently he signed a five-year deal today. Um, 
So that's is it over? Because I know, like last week when you said it was official, I know there was like a bunch of work permits. I'm not sure if it's official. Um, this guy on Twitter, I, 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 I'm not sure if he's official, but um, he signed uh, uh, from Steadfast FC. Um, apparently the fees around 1.5 million. Um, uh, he was minutes away from joining Bayer Leverkusen last season. So, or sorry, last week. Um, so we picked up a, a, another youthful player um, with a with a high ceiling, apparently. So, I feel like we have a ton of those guys. Let's just hope you know they do pan out. Which I was gonna ask you guys about uh, a few of them before we kind of like uh, close it up over here. But the rumors that I heard, which ties the Turkish league into it as well. Uh, one one was uh, Shakiri uh, Fenerbahce being interested in him, and the second one that I just read about actually earlier today was uh, Fenerbahce looking to loan our Greek backup left back for the season because we are Fenerbahce is hurting for a left back. But I felt like first of all. I, so I guess I'll ask you, Paul, uh, do you call bullshit on that? Or do you think it's a possibility? You think he didn't play just because of these injuries? Or is there more to the deal? I literally have no idea what's going on with this guy. None. Like, it makes it makes zero sense to me that we would loan him. Like, we bought him up. We bought him to be a, a, a backup for for Andy. And then we, we basically threw Robertson out every single game. So um, it doesn't make – I know that he had some health injuries, some health issues and injuries. It doesn't make sense for us to loan him, though, if we bought him for depth. So I don't know. I thought the same thing when I read it, but I was like, if that there's any truth to it, that would mean that wasn't – like the reason for his not playing was just not health issues. But what do you think, Jamie? I think, obviously, it's going to take a guy a bit of time to gel into the team. He's had COVID. He's had injuries. So yeah, I think it would be foolish if we if we loaned him or sold him or or whatever we're rumored to be doing. Um, I think this season is his chance to 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 take some of the weight off Rabo. Um, I I just don't think that's the way we operate. I, you know, it it takes some players six months. It takes some players six minutes to gel into a team. It takes some players a year to gel into a team. So hopefully, hopefully we get to see him take a a bit of time off Rabo's feet. The only scenario that I thought it would be possible, and I still think it's not, but the only scenario I thought of was uh, maybe because of the homegrown numbers and stuff like that, uh, we kind of like move him and kind of like have back to back to having Milner as the backup left back kind of thing uh, to be able to kind of like meet those numbers. Maybe, you know, we're keeping Phillips or something like that. But um but like I say, take it with a grain of salt. Fenerbahce has been linked with like 200 players in the last two weeks. So it's just like an everyday thing. The worst thing, by the way, is um, uh, this is like a funny side story. But the Fenerbahce president had like this freaking press conference that lasted three and a half freaking hours, mind you. And I had the joy of listening to that. And one of the things he said, because they don't have a coach right now, uh, that he said either Portuguese or German. 
So over the last freaking like four <laughs> days, I think I've seen like 200 articles of anybody. That, some of these por Portuguese guys might be freaking dead, but they're still being linked to coming as manager to Fenerbahce. I'm like, somebody is hardcore Googling for German and Portuguese managers. So can't trust media. It's that time of year. But talking about young guys, I kind of wanted to ask you guys where you guys stood with Elliot. I know we put a lot of stock in what he can do but is it too early for him does he go you know play maybe in a premier league this time or back to the championship again um let's start with you jamie like where do you want to i mean i think we want to see him there but where do you think he will be this coming season i personally think this season would be fantastic for him to get some minutes uh show the liverpool fan base and and the, the wider public, uh, the wider footballing nation, um, what he can do, because I genuinely think this kid has um, just do, just doesn't have it in him. I think I think now is his time. I think I think we'd be foolish to send him out on loan again. I think he can do a job. I think he can easily do a job uh, for for Liverpool Football Club. Um, and if that's taking valued minutes away from Salah in the cup games and some of the 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 lesser teams then then fantastic get his chance in while he can so i'd like to see him stay and and uh, i'd like to see him in a red shirt how about you paul yeah i agree with jamie i mean you loan out players to develop them or to drive up their valuation or both right and i think at this point like i'm a firm believer if you know a player is going to be part of your long-term plan I think it's better to bet him in with the first team and he's training day in and day out against the best. You know, I think Harvey Elliott's a player who obviously has a huge future. I think we, if this side, you know, Klopp has been very public about the fact that Curtis Jones is going to have an increased role this upcoming season. And I think if that's the next step for Curtis, then I think the next step for Elliott obviously is to be with the first team day in and day out in training next to Joe Gomez and Virgil van Dyke and, and the rest of these guys. Um, because I think that is sort of the next thing that's going to help him um, become a better, become a better professional. Um, and frankly, I think he's good enough. Yeah. I'm kind of torn to be honest with you. Part of me says he needs more playing time and he's not going to get as much staying, but I agree with what you're saying in terms of the tendency for us if you really value a player and think he's going to be, you know, in the starting 11 in the long run and stuff like that, we tend to keep him and practice with the big boys as opposed to loan him out. I almost feel like majority of the time, I would say like 80% of the time at least, if you loan a player out, it's kind of like, let's see what happens. Maybe he just needs more playing time kind of thing as opposed to really thinking, yeah, once this guy gets playing time, he's going to be huge for us. The players we've kept – um and moved up usually were not really like loaned out and we kind of like took him to the top team right away so but part of me says if he's not going to play a lot i would like him to get that playing time and i guess it depends on like what we do in the off season too i mean if we get another attacking player i know your favorite uh divac which i saw today that liverpool wants 20 million for it i'd snap their hand off i'd take it twice I mean, why would anybody 
pay 20 million for Divock. I mean, he's still I, I, young. I personally, if I was a, a, a smaller team, I'd, I'd snap at the chance to have a Divock or EG. Uh, for 20 million, really? Yeah, easily. I, I jump all I, over it. I mean, I know he's priceless to you, Paul, but uh, what would in, you in all seriousness, I, I really would. I really, really would. Yeah, God, dude, that's such a tough one. I mean, I guess when you, I mean, he's only 26. I, yeah, yeah that, my first reaction when you say that is that's a lot for him. That's a lot for him. Um, but then you look at it objectively, and when he's a supremely physically gifted striker and he's 26 years old, you know? So, like, I mean, someone's probably going to come down close to 20 million and grab him. I mean, I think if somebody gets up to 18, Liverpool's probably going to have to take a hard look at it. But I don't know. I don't know. I agree. I think it's kind of like a bargaining thing where we start at 20 and we'll take 15, which would be, I think, good value for him. I just don't know. I love the kid. And the odd thing is he's a he's a big dude. I mean, he's six one, has ridiculous speed, but he plays like he's like five seven in terms of like physicality. Uh, you know, when it's like shoulder to shoulder and stuff like that. He does not play like a big dude. Um, but I think he would do extremely well at a team that's, you know, relies a lot more on like counterattacking and stuff like that, that can utilize that speed where he can take people on one-on-one, uh, you know, cut in, take a shot and stuff like that. I mean, he would be the kind of player that, you know, we would hate playing against at home is the feeling I get when I watch him. And I mean, he's been, you know, like he's had so many freaking huge goals, man, and really would have loved him to kind of keep going. But I just feel like the time has passed. I don't think I don't see it happening. But if you don't sign anybody, I guess he would end up staying. Depends on what value we get. But if you're asking 20, I agree with Paul. I think if somebody comes close to 15, 18, he's probably gone. Uh, I just thought when I heard 20, it was high. And like I say, his age obviously gets closer. But uh, last name I kind of want to pick your guys' brain on as we head into the Euros here is Wilson. I, I know Paul was instantly like, right, so let's start with you, Paul, because I can already tell you're going to. Oh, no, I just, I think this is going to be a big tournament for him. Like, I mean, I think Liverpool obviously has their fingers crossed. I'm a firm believer that he's out the door, like that they're just looking for the right place for him and, and somebody to come up and meet their valuation. And he is a player I think that we could get more than 24. I think his, I think someone will pay over the odds for him based on the year he had at Cardiff where he actually statistically had a better year than Harvey Elliott, even though Harvey Elliott won young player of the year on championship. Uh, statistically, uh, Harry Wilson had a, uh, a better year. And what's interesting about him in Wales is they've actually changed their system from five in the back in, in sort of a long ball approach to this sort of uh, counterattacking interplay where they have Harry Wilson in a false nine. So it's very interesting, like that he is, uh, he is such a centerpiece of that Welsh national team at such a young age. Um, and I think that's kind of gone under the radar. So I think he's primed to have a pretty big tournament. He could, he could make Liverpool quite a bit of money if he has a good tournament. As long as it doesn't play good against Turkey, I really don't care. But uh, he can kick Italy's and Switzerland's ass for all I care. But uh, <laughs> where do you stand on uh, that, Jamie? I do you agree that he's going to be gone either way. It's just a matter of how much. Yeah, I think so. Um, 
let's hope he does a, a Shakiri and scores a massive overhead kick and inflates his price tag up the wazoo uh, or scores a couple of free kicks, which is probably more likely. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think he's gone. Um, I'm much more excited about the youth players we have coming up through the ranks. And yeah, I think his time's done. So why do you guys say that then? I mean, if he did even better... I'm just playing devil's advocate here, which there's no Turkish for apparently. Uh, but anyway, uh, so uh, if his numbers statistically was better, Paul, uh, than Harvey, why would you not give him another shot at Liverpool? I just don't think he's a tactical fit for the for the actual like system that we play. I, he reminds me a little bit of an undersized Harvey Barnes and how he plays. Um, really, really good out wide, but can cut it in and has a wand of a left foot, um, can hit a free kick. Um, I don't think his game, like he doesn't have that top end speed and physicality that I think that you would need to hit elite level in the Premier League. And I don't think he's good enough defensively to hash it in the midst. So I think he's kind of caught in this in-between things in the same way that Filipino doesn't fit into the system. Not big enough, fast enough up top. Not good enough defensively in the mids. It's kind of where I wash on him. He's coming back. He's coming back. <laughs> Bill. Like it. <laughs> Bill. We should do just a special episode on just on Coutinho. Um, is that – do you agree? I mean, I do agree to one thing you definitely said is the fact that the strength thing. Because I think people look at his size and then they look at, you know, Sadio and Mo. But those two dudes are very strong for their size. And Wilson gets thrown around a lot easier by defenders, I feel like, compared to those guys. I mean, those guys are built. Mo and Mane are built for their size in terms of, like, muscle energy. I mean, they still get overpowered sometimes, obviously. Uh, but I think the way – I mean, the way Mo can hold off people and have, like – Money in the air. I mean, he's like, you know, for his height, the dude wins a ton of headers, uh, like a big number nine out front in terms of like long balls, bringing him down and stuff. But uh, I mean, do you agree with that assessment in terms of why you would sell him instead of keep him, Jamie? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, it, it's sad to say, but you know, he's in the same bracket as Ben Woodburn. Obviously Ben Woodburn's still at the club, but I feel like, and I love Ben Woodburn. And I love Wilson too, when I was watching him in the youth ranks too, but when Woodburn scored his senior goal, like I was made up for him. But um, I think his developmental curve, if you will, it's it's too late in his game for, like you're talking about, his his, uh, his beefing up stage as he, as he gets older. I mean, let's be honest, he's no Leo Messi. He is a diminutive uh, forward-thinking player, but he's, he's you know, he... he He's not in that um, physicality bracket at all, like Paul was saying. Um, and I think it's, I think it's too late for him to to kind of go through that another growth spurt or or, or really hit the gym hard and, and become a, a different player. I I don't know. I just I just think it's with the two of them, Ben Woodburn included. I think I think it's just gone a little too long. Yeah, no, I agree with the assessment. I was just playing devil's advocate. I, I think so too. I kind of can see Harvey taking that next step in terms of like adding to his game more strength and stuff like that with the, you know, 
as well as tactical stuff. Whereas I do feel like it is kind of like passing Wilson. Well, gentlemen, thank you for joining us. While Paul Paul is looking for a new receptionist, if you guys are interested, he's taking <laughs> applications. Uh, so you guys can sign up for that on Indeed. And <laughs> preferably, preferably one that can uh, understand time zones. <laughs> and thank you all for listening. Uh, the Euros will start Friday. So come Monday, we'll start talking about some of the games. And I'm sure as the tournament goes on, there'll be more, and more transfer stuff coming up as well. Thanks again, guys. And see you guys next week. Ale, ale, ale.